everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop and the monthly roundup of the best new releases from the worlds of K-Pop, C-Pop, J-Pop, etc. Usual opening remark, just a reminder, I literally listen to hundreds of new releases every single month. It is a monumental task I take so seriously to narrow down this list to a top 20, let alone rank these releases, and I do try to keep my objective music critic hat on as much as I can. So this is not my subjective ranking, but trying to be objective, critically evaluate the best of the best. So it's never like a personal diss or anything petty towards someone, so don't interpret it that way. There are only so many slots, so sorry if your fave didn't make the cut, it's nothing personal, and maybe they did make it into the massive honorable mention section of the episode that I always do. So stay tuned for After the Countdown for so many more recommendations. With that being said, let's start the countdown. Best of October, number 20. Karen Cece, Bad Girls Behave. This seems so tenace. This is so R&B, just oozes underrated R&B icon status. This is her in her zone. The music video, the song, the dance moves, the wardrobe. It is so 90s, early aughts, R&B. What's not to like? The one-take version of the dance, pretty impressive. Her voice is so smooth. The cavalier way she says the F word is delightful. And I like the reminder for grammar nerds that punctuation matters. It's not bad girls comma behave. It's bad girls behave. Like, bad girls can be good girls too. It's quite a ton-in-cheek song. Number 19. Ailey Ratata. Her powerhouse voice on full display, especially in the opening, I'll hold you. Hearing her live vocals of that must be otherworldly. The high notes and backup moments for herself, being her own backup, in Ratata, love that. It goes with the cool vibe of the dazzling, sparkly, crowded party concept of the video, that old school party flair that Ailey always rocks. Citation, the Don't Teach Me era. Then there's Big It Up, a song that she, whatever it is, it sounds really good. She sings circles around it, but it does sound familiar. Can't quite put my finger on it. It sounds maybe like a Nine Muses song, maybe Tiara, Sistar, I don't know. Some second gen K-pop girl group. It has that energy, and that's a plus, but Ratata was the right title track choice. Number 18, Reina Washio, For My Dear. Quite a bit of mid-tempo, city pop-esque music on here, like So Addictive, but piano ballads too, like For My Dear. I think the best, and the one that should and could be the most popular, is Say No. That one has more to it than some of these instrumentals. Always I'm Into You is pretty good too, quite a hopeful feeling. So it's quite a mix of stirring ballads and often kind of just mellow, mid-tempo types of pop. All the while, really impressive vocals. Number 17. Say the name, 17. Nissy, When You Were Mine. I hesitated to nominate this at first because it's one of those pop songs you really vibe with. Then later, it dawns on you what you've been singing. And you're like, oh, that's not as cool as I thought. Because this song, I was just like, it's a bop. And eventually, I actually stopped and thought about the lyrics. And I'm like, wait, is he singing about stealing someone else's girl? Like, I loved you more now than when you were mine. I guess it doesn't necessarily imply the you is now in a new relationship. You could interpret it as enabling cheating, but maybe not. Regardless, the song is such a bop. It just is. A bop is a bop. And Nissy always has underrated, thought-through, interesting cinematic videos. This one is like a short film that starts with a slow-mo dramatic argument with this couple. Other slow-mo dramatic scenes later show one main consistency in this relationship's ups and downs, which is that in his pocket, he's holding a little box. You can assume it's an engagement ring. He's going to propose, but it keeps getting delayed. That's a short version of what happens. They do get together at the end. Happy ending for sure. I also just love mid-video. They start playing a piano version of the instrumental, and it sounds so good. It just proves this song is impressively malleable, because that piano version of the chorus just felt so natural, not forced or weird to give it a piano version. Definitely should be a classic in his catalog in the making.
Number 16. We in, in the mood. I love this for her. She really is in a good mood. This is all kind of mid-tempo to low-tempo stuff, but it's vibey. It's still a good vibe, groovy, and her great voice then is not overshadowed by anything too busy instrumentally. The spaciousness, though, of some of the tracks really helps cradle her voice. The best, I would say, is Seventeen, her collab with Hwasa. They are all worth checking out, though, especially Seventeen and Here I Am. That's a pop rock ballad we wrote herself about finding light from within amid a dark time. The songs are very relationship-focused, and like I said before, often more silver lining-focused than doom and gloom. I do personally love the most, I think, when, like on songs like Seventeen, she's at her sassiest, flirtiest, most out there. She confirmed this is part two in a series, her identity-based series, that she started in January of 2022. And she described the past era as exploring a connection to light, and in the mood is exploring, quote, the natural human form that lies beyond, unquote, which is a very interesting way to put it. Number 15, Epex, Prelude of Anxiety, Chapter 2, Can We Surrender? This release is the epitome of a group leaning into rather than away from their identity. This album is really like Epex only times 10. Like it's not new to them in the sense it's a new direction. It's just way further down the same road they were going down. They have very substantive songs about rage, oppression, feeling oppressed, calling for humanity, the state of the world, chaos, inner turmoil, outer turmoil, the angst of the youth. The most haywire EDM isn't Hit the Wall, which is very vocally intense. They have more screaming, more scream-ish metal sound on this album. The Full Metal Jacket title track is a fitting one to represent the B-sides too. Even No Roof, which kind of has a cuter side to them, a funkier sound, is still in that sense of urgency, that state of ready to scream. (laughs) This is an unchained album. They don't restrain themselves. Number 14. Sun Me, Stranger. Sunmi is so good for spooky season because she does go all out every time dressed up as a character in every video. And this time is no different. She's a Frankenstein and the mad scientist. She sings about being swept away willingly, going off on an adventure with a stranger she's in love with despite not knowing yet. She just impulsively goes to take a chance with this literal monster. It's interesting on the EP to come between two other songs. After Calm Myself, which is about someone realizing they were actually adding to your stress, not helping you cope with it, so you cut them loose. Then ends with Call My Name, with the song theme basically being, just call me baby if you want. Call me whatever. So it starts out, Calm Myself, then she falls in love with a stranger, and now is like, just call me baby or whatever you want to call me. And that sense of, I guess you could say, recklessness is present in the video too. She does kind of run off, and the other version of her chases her. Long story short, the video admittedly does not tie up every loose end that I had hoped it would, but the ambiguities are fun. The fact she added so much detail and thought into the story, both the teasers for it, the full-length video, and the epilogue, it's commendable. I would love a part two, which she might release next Halloween. I can't wait that long, but you never know. But yeah, long story short, this video features multiple versions of Sunmi, One of the quote-unquote normal ones picks up the missing screw in Frankenstein Me and puts it in her, and it's up to you to decide how that shapes the future. Creator Sun Me now linked to Frankenstein Me in a different way. There are other maid characters who I would have loved more context behind. What I would say is most praiseworthy to me about this era for her might just be, honestly, her acting. She really just becomes this machine-like, robot-move, zombie-like monstrosity. Like, her movements get mechanical as she plays the typewriter like she would a keyboard, as she frets about writer's block before having a genius idea to grab an umbrella and let inspiration strike her during the storm when the lightning does. She committed. Number 13. Fitzy Ringo. 
Ringo sounds so much like Oh Mama by Bling Bling, the super gone too soon girl group. Oh Mama was it. This sounds so much like it. Love it so much. So good. This Japanese release, very much still in the style, Itzy's K-pop style. They didn't change too much for the Japanese release. They went for bouncy classic pop with playlist, classic repetition and sass in style. The laid-back sugarholic, unexpectedly, some Japanese versions of songs, including one of their better title tracks, Cheshire. Classic Itzy, love that for them and us, and I love the Ringo video, which has this little girl pictured at the beginning reading a fairy tale book, the story of Snow White, but the image of the apple she ate and passed out after died basically before being brought back to life, that apple the evil witch tricked her into having, a sword shows up. So in the picture the girl is looking at, she doesn't just see the poison apple bitten into. She also sees it transform into a sword. Love that message. Then Itzy come to slay for sure in more ways than one. It's just overall a video that's the opposite of your average expected fairy tale. No damsel in distress here. Number 12. Chu Howl. Such an adorable animated monster character. Very Where the Wild Things Are-esque. A cute little happy hero monster is the mascot for this era. She basically finds comfort, companionship, and feels saved by this friendly monster. And vice versa. She comforts this friendly monster too. It's like Beauty and the Beast meets Where the Wild Things Are, meets a bit of Monsters, Inc., I guess. Sully and Boo's type of relationship. A bond is formed that's super sweet and starts out not love at first sight, but a friendship organically forms. It's a very cute concept, and I think it would be really cool if she always did a mascot. Either kept this mascot, or picked a different mascot, different animal, for each of her solo eras. That would be so cool. That would keep me really intrigued. Like, who are we going to meet next in her group of furry friends? Besides that character, from both early teasers and the Howl video, the other videos and songs show her on other adventures. Underwater, My Palace, Hitchhiker... The theme is naturally exploring different realms, giving me that vibe of a children's book. It's all very sweet, and the stories and lyrics about going on this journey to find herself, and just wanting some friendship and love and passion, basic human emotions, it's just very touching, and delivered in a Pixar-esque way. My favorite song is Aliens. Number 11, Jeff Sutter, Black Tie. At this point, I've raved countless times about his stellar voice, not just because it sounds beautiful, but because it really is always full of character and passion. Like, he gives his all, acting-wise, to his songs. He gives the proper drama to this one, too. The way he kind of pulls back at times, but in a way where his quieted voice is a bit ominous as opposed to a calming presence. He has moments where his inner powerhouse shines, He makes sure his songs stay entertaining through and through. This one actually might be better, objectively at least, than the one I raved about earlier, Dum Dum. Because this one has more meaningful lyrics about, basically, I did everything you said I should to get a sense of inclusion in your social circle. And I'm still not enough for you. I'm in my black tie. Are you not satisfied? I did everything you told me to do. And he is indeed in a fancy mansion, rocking custom, Valentino. His sense of bitterness mixed with confidence. He conveys detailed emotions just so effectively, both in the visuals and just vocally. This song is such a cool ending too. It just makes you feel some type of way. The way it dramatically seems to rapidly just sprint at the end. Number 10. Cindy Wang, Bite Back. Bite Back grew on me. Definitely give it more tries than one or two. That single is more catchy than you remember. So are some of these others, so maybe not first listen hit material, but give it a chance. She's a very unique type of pop. But smartly starts with, I would argue, a crowd pleaser, the dreamy synths, and the consistent percussion of Miss You the Most. Then goes into the more experimental stuff, but she also has ballads of varying stripes, string-backed, guitar-backed, piano-backed, a mix of ballads and pop-bops. The best song I would say is Just Break Up or Insincere. Number 9. I've, I've Mine. 
smart promotion-wise, that they went big with three singles, one after the other, spread out release-wise. That showed different sides to them. It was a way to keep people hyped for the full album and kind of testing the waters to see what fans responded to best, which I would hope is the vibe of either way because of the cool, most distinct aesthetic. The paint and stickers incorporated into their looks, their literal magic that appears at the end of the video, most visually and narratively interesting out of the three. Off the record, though, has more literally magical finishing touches, and is this cute girls' night in slumber party theme. Then they did quite a pivot for Baddie. It kept the hocus-pocus of it all alive, but went for more attitude, obviously. I love the way they, at a press conference, summarized the three singles, saying either way is emblematic of how they're viewed from the outside world. Baddie is emblematic of how they feel about themselves on the inside. Then off the record is how they feel about each other. So either way is the world, Baddie is internal, and off the record is amongst each other. An interesting way to frame the album is not just showing who they are, but showing who other people think they are, and comparing and contrasting to how they feel. In addition to an expansion of the points of view, there was also an expansion genre-wise. Shout out to Wanyan, the sole lyricist on the R&B OTT. They went for a trap sound for Bad E with a really bold bass. Guitar focus for Off the Record, which interpolates a bit of Love Fool by the Cardigans. Holy Moly has the most unexpected instrumental. And shout out to Lauren Aquilina, who worked on Eleven and wrote on Holy Moly. Then there's Payback, which gives the higher voices in the group the spotlight. And shout out to Big Naughty, who worked on that one. It's an upbeat finale song, and they draw out the eyes perfectly. The perfect final emphasis on I, the letter I. So details big and small add up to a well-done, thoughtful era. Number 8. Sakurazaka 46, Shonen Yoku, Special Edition. The title track translates to esteem needs, and it is indeed a good pick-me-up, self-esteem-boosting message. It's a smart choice for the big, impactful opening number. And the video is so cool too because it looks simpler than it really is. They have this big group choreography, very in sync. And then you realize it's impressive at another level because they can't turn to fellow group members for assistance, remembering the moves, because they each dance in front of this wall, a partition, so they can't see their fellow members. Yet without literally seeing each other, they stay so in sync with each other. It's really cool. And the song itself, very meaningful. And not just because of its good message, but also the super cool instrumental breakdown in the bridge. The electronic instrumental and throughout the EDM strands mixed with industrial ones make for a really rowdy, fun, good time. The EP then continues to blur pop and EDM, a bit of rock to genre lines, some cool spatial qualities at times. Mizuho Habu is really going out with a bang. It ends quite strongly. Maybe not as strongly as the opener, but nothing is. That's the best song on here. But it does end on another strong note. This album is meaningful, adventurous, and just full of pops. Number 7. Real, R-E-O-L, Black Box. Album-wise, so much classic electro-pop joy, very fast-paced, downright frenetic, but she also kind of pulls back a bit and goes for more broader appeal pop. Her version of reining it in tempo-wise. So some songs are still very fast, but less fast than we're used to. <laughs> Slow for her is still fast compared to other artists. But anyway, songs like Final Call, more dance pop than the EDM focus we've expected. The playful piano is great, plus the irony of the first song being Final Call. Love that detail. If you mix the instrumental for Final Call with Everglow Sun Pirate, something really interesting could come out of that. My favorite remains Scorpion. Other previously released singles, Glitter, Agitate, The Sixth Sense, a classic at this point, got a special first take version. The new and old, all just so her and so good. Neo Nostalgia makes for a very interesting interlude. She has a moment with Secret Trip that's a bit more sentimental, but after a couple songs, the rise in energy returns to a massive high. 
Ancients with the rapid rock song, Naked, and then that first take version of the now classic, The Sixth Sense. As for the visuals, Secret Trip remains a very interesting video, one of a kind for sure. If you're looking for just something different in a video and don't know what that something is, give Secret Trip a try. And now with DDD, another colorful cast stars in her show, the most unconventional of dance parties, suiting the song's anti-conformity message well. Number six, Extinary Heroes, Break the Break. They are so freaking good. I am so glad they're getting more hype now. They've always deserved it. They're just so good. They don't have any skip-worthy songs. They're full of charisma, personality. Their songs are just so memorable, colorful, energetic, for the most part. Some somber stuff, but multiple details that leave you hooked on each song. The post-chorus, pre-chorus, etc. They take advantage of every detail. They make it easy, too, to kind of visualize fun movie scenes as you listen. They have since Happy Death Day, and now with Freddy, great intro choice. They're also really good at balancing playfulness with angst, like just being enough without overkill. The screaming is not melodramatic, just dramatic enough. They have a cool pop rock formula that's not quite pop, not quite rock, in a lane all their own. So they continue to walk interesting tightropes, stylistically, instrumentally, and like I said, they bring to mind this vivid picture as you listen to their songs, so aesthetically too, they're very distinct. The best song on there, Pluto. Number five, Taman, Guilty. Like the cover art, an apple symbolism is pretty apt, not just for the temptation premise, but the fact this hard outer core is then led into a softer interior. There's a better way to word that, but you know what I mean. The album does start with the typical Taman flair, the drama, the strings. But as the album listening continues, you get to see his softer and more vulnerable side. He pulls back his layers, and it does feel like this is his most free-flowing, naturally flowing, from song to song release. His most chameleonic vocal delivery, his most effortless vocal changes. He really just is in a groove that's different from his past eras and feels more natural. He's a really great performer, just with his voice, but with the video too, which is a super cool connection to his past videos. I talked about at length in the Team and Trilogy of episodes, so I won't again here, but you know, the story continues from past videos. Actually, I also talk about the cool alter ego dynamic that's been in his work since before the Guilty Era, his use of other selves. I dig into the psychology of that in the episode called Nexus, Naomi Klein, and New Worlds. But anyway, a thought-provoking release done in a way that made it look easy. The best song, Not Over You. Number four, NCT 127, Fact Check, which I talked about the visuals of concept video, the teaser pictures, my theories about the whole big picture way it fits into the SMCU, the fact check video, all the visual aspects of the comeback I talked about in an episode of NCT Talk. What I didn't yet, though, is just the album itself. And that is, of course, very impressive, too. They continue to really work with anything. They're so adventurous with their choices. Defy genres and subgenres, mix together whatever sounds good, and pull it off. They have quite a magic formula not every artist could pull off. So this one-of-a-kind collection of songs ranges from pop punk like Angel Eyes to the Afrobeats, plus a synth loop on top for fact check, the mix of rapping and kind of a laid-back feel to Parade, another feel-good song with call and response and stuff, and a wild instrumental in Yacht, some big Mad Libs energy in a good way, like they were just on the fly, fearlessly choosing whatever sounds and words seem to fit, and they have a natural ability to pull that off. Shout out to Taeyeon and Mark, who worked on Misty, Love is a Beauty, Tail worked on that too. They have more emotional, romantic songs, but then again, totally different flavors too. Songs just about being confident. It's a classic NCT smorgasbord. I love it so much. Number three, DPR Ian, Dear Insanity. Check out the episode called DPR Ian's Cinematic Universe for more, as well as the essays on my site and on Substack about this DPR Ian era. I've written extensively about how just enthralled I am about it. 
it's such a cool story that draws inspiration from The Wizard of Oz, The Corpse Bride, and other movies. It's spooky, but in a campy, fun way. It's, I've used this phrase before, when talking about his work, I go to the phrase, aesthetic amalgamation, often. Because it is spooky, but it's also very action-packed, action movie-esque. It's got superpowers, it's got glam rock vibes, it's got mystery, it's got a weird reverse chronology, depending on the alter ego. One alter ego, his story played music video-wise, chronologically, but the release for this new alter ego we're seeing, his story is backwards. I break it all down in the writing and episodes, but yeah, a master storyteller with such a unique creative vision. Definitely worth watching everything DPR Ian does. The instrumental that just goes off beyond belief is Welcome to the Other Side. Number two, TXT, the name chapter, Freefall, which I talked about in a standalone episode. It blew me away, much like TXT's name chapter, Temptation Era, which also got its own episode, actually a two-part episode. I also talk a bit about the meaning within this new album in a recent episode I dropped about the Starseekers webtoon and the many parallels you can draw to TXT's themes. Really powerful story about basically growing up and finding the brightness amid a dark world, finding sources of personal magic in Neverland, redefining magic in reality, and finding peace with reality, not in perfecting it, but in learning from, discovering how to appreciate its imperfections. I wrote recently on my site about the surprising at first, but understandable if you look into it, connections you can draw between Kim Sejun's album, Door, and TXT's album, the name chapter, Freefall. That essay on my site goes into the ways they use the same analogy, the ways they use their music videos to contrast a dark, gritty reality with a utopian, bright and fun and happy fairy tale dream state, the ways they tell their stories reality versus dreams, but then find ways to take the whimsy of the dream world and recreate it in their dark reality to brighten it. Similar lessons there. Very different bodies of work, both really tackle a profound, complex theme of feeling in between. As you crash land into a new environment where you don't fit in, how you make sense of that, and learn to ride the turbulent waves. More on my site, but that's the gist of it. TXT's album is so good at conveying complex emotions with all the nuance they deserve. So it's a really powerful story that really just speaks to me and so many others. They've done it again. Drum roll, please, for number one, best release of October, that a show called 17 Karat K-Pop picked, so this will leave you shocked. 17 was 17th Heaven, which we did a whole episode about and I wrote about extensively on my site and Substack, especially because it personally really struck me. It just felt like such a perfect ode to their career so far and to why I fell in love with their music in the first place. Their message of you belong, of celebrating people, of unity, of music as a universal language. It hits extra hard in a specific way for me as an autistic person because I'm so socially awkward. My essay basically about the album tells that personal story about how music I appreciate at a deeper level some people don't understand because I don't communicate easily with the same amount of mental tools at my disposal as non-autistic people. So music helping convey how I'm feeling when other communication routes, other outlets for me are blocked, which happens often, that means a lot. The Gata Music video does a great job showing this too. The beautiful, magical power music has to bring people together, singing the same song, regardless of ability. Like, I'm included, I'm invited to the party, not by masking, not by not being autistic, but by them coming to me, offering whatever accommodation I need. Like, their party is going to be accessible to everybody. I love that message. They even give shrunken down equipment to that ant, the literal ant, to sing along. No one is blocked from rocking out alongside them in their own way. It's such a beautiful, expansive message of just inclusion, unity, using music as a force for good and connection that hit me in a personal way, but of course also can resonate with everybody. We all need connection. 
So beautiful, powerful, super likable video and premise that gets to both what Seventeen's past releases have been about all along. I give examples too in my piece, past times their work has talked about music as this force. And it's a perfect summation of why I was drawn to their work at a deep level. So yeah, I said it would keep this short so you could just read the essay, but you know me talking about Seventeen. So it's going to be hard to shut up, but I'll try. Let's move on. I have a ton of honorable mentions. Jay Chang, Late Night. He has a bajillion watt smile. Like it is so commercial ready. I honestly, I went into watching his videos having zero expectations, and I was so instantly charmed by him. He is just so naturally swoon-worthy, a natural rock star. So the premise from the album title Late Night to the rock star music video, starring a fangirl, watching him on TV, on this late night talk show, it's all pretty generic and cliche, but there's a reason it's cliche. Who is immune to swooning over this kind of guy, playing the part of a rock star. It is also refreshing that in the Rockstar video, the superfan is kind of fixated on him, watching him on late night, but she's not viewed as like this obsessive. She's not portrayed as this stalker or this obsessive person. She's just in love with him, but they don't really portray fangirls in this negative light that we've come to expect they're portrayed as. Like for comedic effect, ill-intentioned or not, often the fangirl depiction would be more hysterical. This was more not negative, just showing something different. It was refreshing. So yeah, very much I am just blushing about Jay Chan's release. I'll be there, up to you. Yeah, even the song titles, classic appeal. Up to you is really good, instrumentally at least, for fans of Just Be and Alexis collab, MBTI. I also must recommend, my personal favorite is Rockstar, but objectively I think you must check out Sunlight. It's a sunny song naturally, and it's delightful, it's acoustic, and once again, swoon-worthy. Ginny, J-I-N-I, an iron hand in a velvet glove. She was from Enmix, and I honestly really like her as a soloist. The album title, first of all, really love the symbolism. Second of all, I love the creative freedom she now seems to have. And she just seems to have real solo pop girl material, like a classic pop fave. If given the right promo, she could be right up there on U.S. pop radio with other pop queens, the Ava Maxes of the world. Especially with Here We Go Again, that should totally be a TikTok sensation. My one thumbs down goes to the Come On video. In the song itself, Amine's verse is way lacking. There is not much there at all. Very disappointing. The video is an interesting mix of 2D and 3D, 4D that makes the cheerleader concept and classic high school crush scenario remixed. Yeah, classic pop material, a feature that was lacking for me, but otherwise really solid. Just be, divide, nanugi. Medusa is definitely their best track ever. Way better than any other track ever. It is really above and beyond for them. Such an earworm. The first part is more fun. Drama, Medusa, the fast-paced cute song, a bit in the vein of Polaroid Love by an hyphen, Paper Plane, another cute teen movie-esque one in the high-energy youth. Then we go to the emotional half, Sad Hours, For Coming Home, and its acoustic version, and Camilla. They show off their vocal registers in multiple strong suits. Triple S Evolution, Mujak, which means diamond. They go from percussion-focused songs like Heavy Metal Wings to rapid synths, group singing in Moto Princess, a throwback feel to 37.5, which I think will or should be a fan favorite. They have quite a variety. Rodanthe is kind of reminiscent of Twice's early days. There's probably a song for you on here if you are a pop music fan. That's the bottom line. Moto Princess is one of the stronger ones and definitely has a bit of the same energy as Air Force One by Odd Eye Circle. Shout out to Monotree, who was heavily involved in making this. Previously, Monotree was on works for Super Junior, Red Velvet, Girls' Generation, NSM Entertainment staple. 
Triple S I do find really worth paying attention to if you're into the music industry, watching trends in it and stuff, and just if you're into K-pop and the marketing of it. Full disclaimer, I was a part of their recent press event, so I'm a bit biased to support them, but I will say they are doing something really different. So total, Triple S has 24 members. 16 have been revealed as of recording time in different configurations. And the names of these configurations, like Lovolution, then Evolution, and the order they debut, all that stuff is determined by fan votes. The currency your votes have depends on your in-app token amount, basically. You spend Comos tokens on votes within these gravities, the sessions on the app. You can also vote on title track picks. It's all fan-created. The presumably accidental but a little funny downside to that is that if a comeback flops, they can blame the fans. This strategy is continuing to interest me because these subunits do have both common threads that fans clearly like, but also differences in the elements they focus on. This subunit really like how they have this diamond invincibility premise. Not just because diamond symbolism really just gets to me at a personal level as a carrot. Kingdom, History of Kingdom, Part 7, Jahan. The conclusion of their seven-part series. Each member had their own kingdom, basically, in their own chapter of this sprawling story. This is the Kingdom of the Sun time, where they sing some pretty surprisingly happy songs, like Love Song. I'm used to a bit more focus on emotional intensity, which they of course have again, but things definitely are looking up. They have intro apocalypse, but then they focus on the possibility in a new day over the end of the old world aspect of it. I think the first half is the strongest. Actually, never mind. Sandcastle is really good. But if you're not feeling it, stay the course because X game is quite different. That one is the most out there, potentially capable of standalone appeal. What's interesting is this is labeled the end of season one of this story. So the narrative could just expand, not be over yet. So it'll be interesting in the future what their comebacks look like with maybe some interplay between these seven realms. This is definitely board game worthy. Ghost 9, yes, they are back. Arcade, Zero, and the main track, Ruckus, which has this surprising baseline in a video with a very specific to them aesthetic. Playful and glow-in-the-dark focused, full of literal play, so playful literally. They are back and as buoyant as ever with their energy. Big Epex energy in BOMC, another funky bass in Rolling Stones, They have a more typical synth-pop song in Love Parachute. This is a solid return. Alright, are you ready for a massive lightning round of even more honorable mentions? Paying subscribers get this list for free, 17karatkpop.substack.com, but you can all get out a pen and paper and prepare for just a big amount of recommendations. Yoasobi released the book 3. This album I found kind of inconsistent. The interludes are my favorite, even though they don't really tie together the different chapters of the book. It's kind of disjointed, but the very distinct directions they were going make the interludes the most memorable. There's an interesting gothic operatic feel to worship, and then Awakening has this cool frenetic pacing, this haunted house vibe mixed with distorted EDM, Their layered production, at its most adventurous, ends up being the best. La Pome released a beautiful album Pome that just shows off their incredible deep voices. Beautiful, deep, dramatic voices. They're very classically trained, and together their harmonies are just chill-inducing. Definitely for fans of Forestella. Heejin made a solo debut with K. There is quite a heavy synth focus, but she does have jazzier turns. She turns down the tempo for video game, Nokia. I think she ends with the best, Addiction. Really good layered vocals, playing up to her vocal strengths with the synths. It's the most well-crafted. 
And her title track, Algorithm, has such a cute video with cute Luna member cameos. It just has extra unique meaning as an orbit. You see all the fellow Luna members with her, so it's no longer about, I can't get you off my mind because of my social media obsession. It's also like, I miss you guys. Speaking of sweet stories, Niju released the first K-pop EP, Press Play, with the three tracks each getting their own video. The full-length video for Hartress is the cutest, very high teen, with an interesting metaphor. A game of Tetris is what they compare their crush to, who in the video is Stray Kids member Felix. Speaking of high teen wholesome cuteness, Unite released Bit Part 2 with a lovable schoolboy charm to the Love It video, classic boy band material. The rest of the album is quite light and fun too, very party ready, although they do have a, a more emotional vocal showcase thanks to A Star Called You, and more of a sway-worthy guitar-focused to Cupcake. ONF, aka On and Off, released Love Effect, with a long story short, interesting comeback teaser that featured this dissipation of a barcode tattoo. It looked like a tattoo of a barcode on someone's neck that dissolved, as did flowers. And they pop this giant bubble. It's a hard to explain story, but I think that's the key symbolism, that a sign of uniqueness faded, as did the flower. Then again, you could interpret it as someone literally burned their bubble. You could also focus on the barcode as a sign of actual, not personalization, but conformity, having to just be like everyone else. Or it could all be random. Whatever the case, they did pique my interest for sure, which is what a good album trailer should do. And after pulling you in with that ambiguous teaser, then they got your attention to focus on the raw talent, with their voices really shining, doing circles around wind effect, arrival, an extra unique vocal flavor in Dom Dom DRAM. Shout out to MK and Wyatt who worked on that one. And Wyatt also worked on two of the other tracks. TOZ, a super likable new Japanese boy group, released Flare. They sound and look so cute and bright and bubbly, but also so young. Sonically a bit MCND. They have a bright, fun energy you'll see in the Magic Hour video that makes them worth looking out for in the future. More boy groups. I and I release Tag Me. Tag is kind of Epex vocals paired with a One Us instrumental. Think about it. The funkiest and most unique vibe on Tag Me is You In. Boy Group 82 Major is here, named after the country code for South Korea. They went for Boom Bap Hip Hop with First Class, which three members contributed to. And two worked on the other song, Sure Thing, which shows a softer side to them. Shout out to Bugaboo creator Ryan Jun, the band Bugaboo, for working on that. Super Dragon released Infinity Tape, an electronic and dance-focused explosive collection of songs that proves they're just still project to project, always leaning into a different side with ease. They really do have great ability to always reinvent themselves. Plus, DJs take notes. Each instrumental is stimulating enough you don't really need vocals. Those are like a bonus. Very attention-holding. Although they do have a ballad as well called Maybe It's You. E-Last released Identification. Kiss Me Baby is cute. I really think, though, what knocked it out of the park is the pop rock Neverland. Not just because, if you're a longtime listener, you know why any song called Neverland perks my ears up and I get really ready to wax poetic about the symbolic value of the song, but I digress. For them, I just think pop rock suits them perfectly. The song Thrill, though, did grow on me, so I'm glad they put it on this album. It's catchier than I remember. Chanyul from EXO is back with Good Enough. Hear me out, no EXO pun intended. The instrumental definitely sounds like he took from Chinese Replay. Like, didn't copy-paste Chinese Replay, but did interpolate it and then twist it up into knots. But some root part of the formula came from Replay. The song suits him in his laid-back nature, and it was just a delight. I guess the theme is reuniting bandmates with Heejin's algorithm and Chanyeol's song, because in this video you see him chilling with fellow EXO members. Always a nice, feel-good sight. The song is a good message, too, making peace with the fact you can find joy in the here and now, even if you kind of feel stuck in this phase of life. 
Speaking of phases, Jen Suman released Phasis, P-H-A-S-I-S. He has some beautiful acoustic-focused, stripped songs, like After the Tone, You and Us. The brassier stuff stays low-key too, like Sunset. Overall, pretty easy listening. The piano ballad always another standout. A super underrated girl group, QWER, Harmony from Discord, is their great new EP. They start with the underrated ballad, Harmony of Stars. They have a playful, computer game-esque, Secret Diary. And they have a full speed ahead, guitar-filled pop-bop in Discord, which is a bit J-pop-esque. Overall, they pack quite an impressive amount of styles and personality traits into just three songs. ID Earth continues to impress me. Such an underrated, beautiful, distinct voice. And just visually an interesting story. Albeit not as interesting as some of her past music videos, she does have an eye and an ear for just bringing to life something special. Something musically not seen elsewhere. Girl Group Lightsome is finally back with Honey or Spice. I have to say this, they definitely do offer different flavors. The best is lighted up. The Oh My Girl-esque whoopsie is cute. They have a piano ballad and candlelight. I would say, though, most memorable to me about this comeback is, well, the fact they had it when it felt like it was so long, I thought they might have broken up. But also the B-side lighted up and the highlight medley video. Really cool scene setting throughout it. Vicky Blanca released World Fly, and that song is pretty good. I don't know why, but I just know theater kids will appreciate the vibe of it. World Fly is a theater kid song. But the best, I think, is right before that, Revolution. It's the most OST-worthy for sure. It really does get good better in the second half, this EP. G-Idol dropped their first English EP, Heat. The best B-side, Eyes Roll. They have quite a range. They've got the attitude brought to the rap trap song, Flip It. They brought the emotion and beautiful vocals to the slow song, Tall Trees. They brought the pop catchiness with I Want That. It's a solid EP, but yeah, Eyes Roll, definitely the standout. And I must say the video left me wanting more, especially because the pre-release I do, that song had such a cool video that definitely deserved a sequel with the whole alien premise. But they just kind of abandoned that for I Want That, which alluded to kind of a wedding turned bloody murder mystery. Not really a mystery, bloody murder scenario. The plot was not as fleshed out as I had hoped. They had a really good thread. I wanted them to keep going on from I do that they abandoned. They said I don't, I guess. There's so many cool cinematic comeback trailers that came out in October. Some track videos for Wavy, Pop and Love became my early favorite. Stray Kids Rockstar Era is upon us. The comeback trailer proved it. Of course, in hyphens, Orange Blood era teasers, I can spend probably literal hours dissecting, and I might on the upcoming episodes I will surely make about that album. Unknown Coon has a cute new song, Four Minutes, which has a very cute pop-up book, cartoon-inspired, hand-drawn-inspired, just adorable all-around, knight and princess-themed music video to go with it. I'm usually not a huge fan of remixes, but I'll admit David Guetta knew what he was doing with Seven, and the MK remix of 3D, not bad either. Both Jungkook singles. The best OST of the month, I might have to pick Undercover by Suzy for the Duna soundtrack. The return of Suzy, always great. The return of the fierce side of Suzy, even better. Rock group Ten Feet have a new single that is kind of like High Tension. If you like the duo from Korea, High Tension, they do similar things, moves with their synths. Also tons of percussion though, and guitars. It is rollicking. It is so good though. So full. So well done. New covers worth hearing include Theo's cover, Theo from P1 Harmony, of Taeyang Son, Seed. And for the cute Melody Project, Cheyan from Twice covered Weatherman by Eddie Benjamin. Cheyan also recently featured on a Claire Claire and Coco remix of Popstar. Honestly, it's not my cup of tea, but I like that it's out because I want people to hear me out. It totally sounds like, before Cheyan's part, if the Kardashians had a single. Like, if they released a song, both vocally and just like thematically, they would release that song. I'm just saying. Do with that what you will. 
Girl Squared have a new single. The title translates to Witch, W-H-I-C-H. It's a lot of fun, lots of tambourine. It definitely would not sound out of place on the same playlist as Love Me Like This by Enmix. Sean released the Japanese version of Way Back Home. Just a nice reminder, that song is stellar. Thai girl group for Eve released Not Kidding, which is so them. The pink and just overall glam, cute aesthetic, the dreamhouse aesthetic of the music video, this it girl, I'm better than you, out of your league attitude, their refusal to be taken advantage of, that girl power ethos, they just channel it so well. Not Kidding is once again in that repertoire. March, M-R-C-H, released Oh Life, a nice EP, but she should have made Sunlight the main single. Speaking of lovely voices, Seo Actor is back with another lovely one, Everything Everywhere, All at Once. Game Parade released a Spooky Season Approved EP, The Night Park. Endless Nightmare Story was a smart pre-release choice. Sudi released an R&B EP, Call Me Love. If you like Dream by Susie and Baekhyun, you'll like her collab with Zemin, Gummy Bear. Another notable collab, Kwon Unbi and Paul Blanco with the city pop Like Heaven that has a nice summery music video to go with it. Luna member Hasul is back with Plastic Candy. This release is about someone who is not the fulfilling crush you could pursue. Just an empty suite. A long-term benefit of their consuming your mind, not there. So it's a relatable feeling, and the style of the song fits her voice particularly well. Vanillaire have a couple new songs. Bye is a standout. They're definitely for fans of The Rose. ATOB member Young Q covered Treasure Son Darari and sounds super sweet. AT's member San released a performance video set to Imagine Dragons Warriors. And the acting, the facial expressions, 10 out of 10. And the performance does move place to place. It's like one giant extreme so you think you can dance number. In time for Halloween, Ballistic Boys released the Miku mix of Ding Dong. And I bring that up not because I love it, frankly, but it sounds like a rejected AT song. The Miku mix, hear me out, try it out. Doesn't it sound like a rejected AT song? Do with that what you will. I know I said the best OST of the month, that award goes to Suzy, but second place is definitely Yon Yon. She released SOS, which is ironically chipper and accidentally related to Seventeen, not just in name, but it would fit on a playlist next to BSS's Fighting. The SM Orchestra returned with Growl, Exo's Son, in an orchestral form, which I thought they did quite well. Yisun really scented things. The highlight medley is visually just so pretty. Bibiana, with a stellar underrated voice, released A-side and B-side versions of Vision Getting Blurred. Queen's Eye proved This Is Love is a cool throwback style for them. Big throwback girl group, classic energy. Hwasa showed what she's got, attitude-wise. Attitude in spades for the video and song, Chili. NCT New Team released Hands Up. It definitely does sound like an NCT song, but a safe debut, or pre-debut, whatever we're technically calling it. Like, not with 127's trademark weirdness. It's not an oddity song. It's a, like I said, safe choice, but still nicely done, and they are quite a likable, adorable bunch. Pow, the new boy group, released the favorite EP, which is really solid, but I do think the best song on there is one I shouted out earlier, the earliest release, the song favorite. Lando's VR of Hades is quite an eclectic mix of instrumentals that goes with the conceptual realm he's in, with song titles referring to optical illusions and stuff. Lastly, Boy Next Door released a video for my personal favorite from their new EP, a video for ABCDLOVE. That wraps up today's picks. Thank you all for tuning in. The full official top 20 I will put as a free post at 17karatkpop.substack.com. So look out for that. You'll also get a list of the honorable mention mega list if you're a paying subscriber. But at least the top 20 you will get the write-up for for free, 17karatkpop.substack.com. Thank you all again so much, and I will talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody!